Alright everyone, welcome back in. A Friday edition of Locked on Syracuse. We have you every single weekday. Your only daily Syracuse podcast out there. Brought to you by Built Bar. As always, use the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Get $10 off your first box today. You can also, if you go today, now you gotta go today because this is Friday, the last day of this deal. You can get an extra $5 off at BuiltBar.com this week. And make it a $15 off on your first box a built bars tie a lot of recruiting news to get into today you can follow the show on twitter at lo underscore syracuse but i think we should start with the john Wildhack press conference and kind of the announcements that came out yesterday in regards to season tickets in the football season basically the headliner there is john Wildhack is planning and the syracuse athletics committee is planning for some fans in attendance but they're also planning for less fans than normal and some sort of adjustment in that variety. And they're kind of giving the season ticket holders a little bit of a caution in that regard, which I think is good that they came out with a statement and are kind of being upright and honest about this. And I'm not surprised either, because when you look at everything going on, he's just following what pretty much every other athletic director has said. He's not the first guy to speak on this. He's not the last guy to speak on this. He's kind of bunched in the middle, but he's kind of following the standard that's been set by most of these athletic directors so far saying that, yep, we're expecting to start a season, not just start the season, but we're also expecting to have some level of fans in the building as well. We don't know how many. Is it going to be a 25% thing, 50% thing, or are we going to be safe enough where we can expect to have an 100% capacity or at least will allow 100% of capacity in. I very much doubt it'll be the latter of the the options that I just mentioned, but all these guys seem pretty optimistic that there could be maybe a 25% option. And to be honest, I don't blame them because there's no reason to ax this now, right? I mean, we're still, this is yeah. the end of May. It's going to be June over the weekend. So we're still, what is that? two-ish months, two, about three months until we're supposed to see this thing kick off, right? So there's plenty of time for things to develop. I mean, students are supposed to be on campus on August 10th, I believe, for Syracuse students. So the students will be on campus, or at least are expected to be on campus, barring some sort of second wave that hits early. But I mean, that's where we're at right now. And I've always stood firm on the fact that there's no reason to ax anything this far prematurely. Uh, and and this is exactly what that's falling into right now. Yeah, it's interesting. The university also came out, I think it was yesterday, we're talking here on Thursday night, and, and they said that masks are going to be worn by basically, or it's going to be kind of required once students do return to campus and faculty and visitors and basically anyone, staff, Anyone like that that is on the campus is going to be required to wear some type of face mask, and they're going to limit classes to around 30 people max in a class at a time, which is all type of decisions that I think we're going to continue to see most Have you seen what make. Indiana's doing? No, I haven't seen I find this very interesting. This is the most interesting proposal that I've seen for the return to school, where they're going to start at their normal time. So I think it's like the third week of August. And okay. up until Thanksgiving, everything is supposed to be your in-person attendance. I'm sure it has yeah. some of the same safety protocols that Syracuse is looking at, too. 
But after Thanksgiving, it turns into online only, which I found very interesting. All and of second semester? All, no, not all only? second semester. All of after Thanksgiving until the end of first semester. So Isn't that's that all online. essentially Syracuse's plan? Sort of. Well, I no, mean, Syracuse's plan is we're going to start early and we're going to try to okay, get yeah. this thing and end at Thanksgiving and everything is going to be done in person. So okay, I, see what you're I saying. think there's the, the option to flex out and move to online in this. Well, I guess this is in every school's plan, but in Indiana's plan, there's a cool graphic that kind of showed everything. But I, I found that very interesting, too. Right. So Syracuse is doing online finals after Thanksgiving, but they're oh, not okay. doing any classes. So that I guess that's the difference. Is you're saying Indiana is actually going? Indiana to take... is going back to school after Thanksgiving. Well, they're going okay. back to school and finishing out their semester, but it's all online. Right, because Syracuse is starting earlier than them, so that makes right. sense. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this maybe two weeks ago. Now it's hard to keep track of time, and sort of we laid out maybe why it's a little bit unrealistic to visualize football happening, and. Then last week, I do feel like I got a little bit more optimistic about the whole process and maybe the chances that a football season in some variety happens in the fall. And I guess a lot of the reasoning for that was just sort of seeing these schools come out with plans like Syracuse with these accelerated schedules South Carolina did. I mean, the one that really surprised me was NYU because you'd think of all the schools that would be committed to online learning and value that and think that's the safest thing right now BMYU considering a it's the hub it's where really it's the coronavirus hotspot in the city I mean they don't even have a campus it's just basically the city I, my sister went there so I'm pretty familiar with it. and also there's a lot of international students who come in and out of NYU they have a high high percentage of international students compared to other schools so I thought that was surprising now again NYU saying that at this point there's no saying that they can just reevaluate based on testing and whether a second wave happens or whatnot, and then scratch that plan altogether. But they came out and made a stance and said, we're going to be on campus in the fall, which surprised me. Have you sort of changed your mindset on whether this is going to happen or not based on what's happened in the past couple of weeks? No, I mean, a plan is a plan, right? And, and everyone's got a plan. It's like the old Mike Tyson saying, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. So there's going to be an inevitable punch in the face at some point, right, in the fall. So we're going to see what is that plan when that punch comes, whether it's in the summer. Does someone contract something during the workouts when some of these schools are starting to usher their students back in? Who knows? That's all up in the air. So it's a plan, and it's definitely it makes you feel a little more optimistic, but at the end of the day, I mean, we've talked about it with TBT too. It's a plan. It sounds good and it looks like things can work out, but at the end of the day, all it takes is one little thing to go wrong and your plan can be spoiled. So I'm still not as optimistic because of the whole testing aspect. And yeah, again, like I've said many times, those tests don't grow on trees. And when it comes down to it, is this really where we want to allocate these tests? when we have them so we'll see it's i mean we we kind of laid it out for you how many people go into the operation of this tbt tournament it's going to be less than 400 people in the tbt so if it's 400 people there what's college football when you're accounting for rosters that are 
about eight, nine times the size of what a basketball roster is. And then you've got ops people. You've got more coaches than you do in TBT. You've got more, I mean, just stadium management, making sure all that stuff's good and well. So training staff. So the the numbers are going to inflate. And not to mention the fact that there's 130-something teams also. So I'm still steadfast in my belief that I'm not as optimistic this is going to get pulled off. I know a lot of other people are. But I'm still kind of standing firm in my belief. And listen, I'd love to be wrong, all right? I'd yeah, love to see right. sports back out there. That, that's kind of my way of doing this, too, is I am hedging my life in this <laughs> regard. Yeah. If it doesn't happen, hey, hey, I was right. Chalk went up for the good kid. But if I'm wrong, guess what? I also win, too. Because if I'm right. wrong, that win, means win. we're watching football. So I, I'm going to live that, that win-win mentality here. But I, I do believe that it's going to be very tough to execute this. The part that I keep falling back on is I just don't see a world where there is college football in the fall if students aren't back on campus in the fall. And, right. you no, know, I know that. these schools are making plans, but it's it's one thing to make the plans. It'll be another to see how the testing develops and where we are in a couple months and whether that is a realistic thing that can happen and a healthy thing that can happen. But John Wildhack, just to kind of wrap up what he said, he said... As we continue to work through these important planning processes, we believe it is best that we pause our football seat upgrade and parking process. For men's and women's basketball, it is simply too early to tell. So that was from a Syracuse.com article. And They're still selling season tickets, though. Yeah, they what are. I gather. And they just said, and be patient on, and, and if, if your seat is altered, just understand that that's a possibility. That's kind of yeah. what I took away from this. Because you're still going to have to probably comply to some sort of social distancing measures once you're in the stadium. So, I mean, if you're if you're used to being in seat neighbors with John in Section 120, you're probably not going to be this upcoming season. And maybe things get restored back to normal. But I understand why they're still kind of vouching for people to, to buy the season tickets and stuff. And on top of that, I mean, they're still taking the the down payments that these people made. I know there was a big email that went out to these season ticket holders. I don't know exactly what it entailed, but I mean, there's a bunch of places right now that are losing money. And these athletic departments are no exception to that because if there's no football, there's no cash influx. And what these season ticket down payments are, are essentially interest-free loans to these athletic departments. I mean, that's kind of what they're working with right now. And obviously, just like a regular loan, you're going to have to pay it back at some point if there is no season, but you cross that bridge when you get there. When, when you're in desperate times, I mean, that's kind of the model that you're following right now. And listen, you, you may have your seat arranged. You may not get to sit next to your best bud that you've been going to games with for 20 years, and it's going to sting in 2020, but 2021 is going to come, all right? And yeah. that, that then hopefully there will be normalcy restored. I guess the, the one thing that's frustrating and again, this is this is a, I won't call it a first world problem, but I, I don't even know. <laughs> I guess this is just a Syracuse only problem almost, but it's kind of tough that this is the way you're opening up the new dome. And th yeah. the fact that it's going to be 25% full if, if we get it. That and, is a bummer. But I mean, that's that's the, the reality we live in. And you really can't complain much because listen, if that new dome's opening up, that means there's football. <laughs> and I'm not going to yeah. complain if there's football. As you, I like your philosophy. It's kind of a win-win, um, you know, in, in the way you're thinking. And I'm kind of with you. I think it's unlikely, but, you know, there's so much time and so many variables that could change that. So 
A lot of interesting recruiting news to get into kind of in the later part of this show. We're going to talk about Frank Anselm because there's been some interesting rumblings about him maybe coming to Syracuse. But before we get to that, this is the very last day to get that additional $5 on your first Built Bar box. What better time than now? I mean, I can get an extra $5 off. You get $15 off these boxes. You're saving a lot of dough on what the grand total of these boxes are. And they got those four new flavors. So I've been teasing it. I've been going back and forth. I think I'm just going to do it today. Is this our going to be our new tailgate snack? These built bars like <laughs> you're going to I want to see all the Syracuse fans out there when you're when you're tailgating in the Carrier Dome parking lot or wherever the wherever you set up your grills and stuff like that. I want to see a little a little basket of built bars out there, too. And what better time than now? to start stocking up on them because, I mean, hey, you, you can get your $15 off, and it's probably only going to be this week. Right. Capitalize on this Memorial Day special. Great tailgating snack, great for workouts, a candy bar that is healthy for you. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On. It can be one word. You can put a space in it. doesn't matter. And that'll get you $10 off your first box. And if you go today, you'll get an additional $5 off. We'll be right back to talk about Frank Anselm, a potential center for Syracuse. Okay, some interesting Syracuse basketball recruiting news to get into. It's been a weird one to sort of follow Frank Anselm, who is the 2021 center originally that reclassified to 2020. Remember, he had three SEC schools in his top three. LSU seemed like the favorite, according to Crystal Ball projections. They acquire a center or get a commitment from a center, and all of a sudden he backs out of LSU, reopens his commitment, Puts out a list of six. He's since cut Kentucky from that list. So now it's Arkansas, San Diego State, Western Kentucky, Seton Hall, and Syracuse. And to make that news even sweeter, in the past couple days, we've been seeing some rumblings. One crystal ball that he is coming to Syracuse. Not a huge lock or anything, but one crystal ball. And then Nor two is it rivals. a huge reporter that's right. putting this out there either. Yeah, and you know now you can do the sort of how much are you how much how strongly do you feel about the crystal ball that you're putting out there and the scale wasn't at the tippy top so just to caution people but two other guys over at rivals have said that they think he's going to syracuse now and one of those is Corey evans a guy who's pretty yeah pretty, pretty well regarded yeah right so i don't know i mean i'm starting to sort of buy in i've been a little cautious with this one because it's a center and I just didn't really feel like Syracuse ever was at the top, given that he hadn't visited there, and he said good things about San Diego State, Western Kentucky, Charles Bassey's been recruiting him, and now when you see these crystal balls, you can't help but get a little bit excited, I guess. And one of the guys, other guys on Rivals who gave the, the their forecast, which I guess is their version of a crystal ball, it's kind of like the blizzard and then whatever other ice cream place you like it's the the equivalent of that um but so he dan mcdonald's the guy who wrote this article and he also threw in a, a syracuse forecast so another thing to look out at there but in in this article he says he talks about how he's talking to coach red all the time and that he's really got a, a pretty good relationship with coach red all the way back to 2017 so they know each other pretty well and yeah i mean you can follow the the tea leaves here, but it is strange that you see a flood of them coming in. 
Because that's, yeah. what, three of them all in a day? Or, or I guess in a 24-hour time period, too. So, I mean, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> and, <No>. and again, <laughs> Usually a good thing. Yeah, no, no intel here, especially in the, the era of recruiting we live in where it seems like all these analysts now, I mean, you're seeing them, they're – they're essentially playing with the juiced ball because they, they when they put in their their crystal balls, that usually means they know something. They're not blindly throwing these things out. So yeah, no reputation's kind of on the line if you're making right. a, a claim like that. So I don't know. I feel like I, I feel cautious to get optimistic just because it's Syracuse and we know their history with centers. And we should mention. I mean, I was sort of thinking about this when this news came out, like how much would Frank Anselm really change my mindset of next year's team? Maybe not a ton. I mean, he's a top 150 guy, but you know, the interest from Kentucky is appealing. I think he does have some potential. He's athletic and he brings some quickness and maybe a little bit more pop to his game than what we've seen from recent big men. He's definitely a good shot blocker, 6'10", 220, Although I've seen his height has been kind of different things. Yeah, recently, he's been but six moving around. Is, yeah, yeah, which I guess happens from time to time with with some of these recruits. I guess he but, started at six eleven, then he's he's been docked like an inch a week or something like that. So is he shrinking? Yeah. That's another well, question we have to, to be Syracuse, asking, Tim. Is he shrinking? <laughs> right. <laughs> if he commits to Syracuse, I'm sure they'll say six eight or something, and and really downgrade it maybe, but. I don't know. I feel like San Diego State's in the mix, Western Kentucky. Arkansas seems to be pretty full. You can't count out Seton Hall, I guess. These crystal balls get me optimistic, but for you, like, how much would Anselm change next year? And I guess that's how, not how I should be thinking. Because no, that is, yeah, that, no, maybe not, but it is a valid question because, I mean, the, 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 time, is ticking. the time is right? ticking on the backcourt. I mean, yeah. you're going to have one of the best, if not the best backcourt in the ACC next season and for the next two seasons, really. So you want to start to put together a team that can really compete around that backcourt. And when I look at that, I, I think to myself, okay, Anselm, we'll see. It's kind of a wait and see for freshman year because we don't know. Again, he, like you said, he probably won't start. But at the same token, Barama Sidibe, the Sidibe special can very well be alive and well next year. You're going to probably see once again a lot of games where he's in foul trouble. So it is important to have a backup plan. If Anselm's a good backup plan, then guess what? You, you've got something there, and you can really run with that. But on top of that, yes, it, it doesn't change my perception a ton for next season, but in two seasons, yeah, I could see a, a guy being like Anselm being really good for this team. And and just the development, again, he's going through the unorthodox summer this year, but give him a whole summer in the gym of, of Division One ACC-level training, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, he's he's a guy who's a four-star, and in terms of ability and probably ceiling, got the highest of anyone on the roster at the big man position, you'd imagine, unless yeah. maybe Mac maybe Etienne Jesse. reclassifies. I also think that Mac Etienne's decision might be playing a little role here, too. I mean, I right. don't know exactly, but... Well, Corey Evans his... did say uh, he thinks Mac Etienne is not going to reclassify anymore. Now, okay. he, he didn't say, like, definitively, but he said he thinks it's likely that he won't reclassify. But it was thrown around, and I, I'd say it's definitely in his head a little bit if 
if it right. was talked about. Yeah, so when you look at that, I mean, that decision obviously plays into this one, too, because if Syracuse has their pick of Mac Etienne and Frank Anselm, it, to me, it's a no-brainer you go with Etienne. Yeah. And whether that means you're getting him in 2020 or you're stockpiling him for 2021, that's that's your guy. And, again, the, the center position is going to be pretty clogged up, and you might have some unhappy campers at the end of it. So who knows, maybe some guys end up transferring, especially if a, a one-time transfer waiver gets passed for the next season. Again, it, it's not going to follow through for this year, but maybe next year it's something that can certainly happen. So if it comes down to ETN or Anselm, you're probably picking ETN, and maybe that's the holdup right now in Anselm's decision. Yeah. Who knows when he's going to make his decision? I mean, with our luck, he's he's probably announced it right now as we're talking, and we'll have to yeah. scrap this and re-record. <laughs> That's what happened with Keyshawn Bennett, who we're going to talk about in just a second here, who just picked Michigan. We'll get to him in a minute. But I think rumblings are it's happening in June. I've heard it's happening in the next coming weeks. He has had this top six for kind of a while, which is now a top five. And, you know, he's been pretty public about doing interviews and talking about what the situation is. It seems like he's not flying by the seat of his pants or something, but like it seems like he's kind of playing this by ear and he's he doesn't have a, a straight timetable. Like he's he told people that he just woke up and and made his top six when it happened. So maybe he's gonna wake up one day and think, hey, Syracuse is is my team and I, I hope that does happen because like you said, I don't know if it would change much next year, but I do think it's kind of what we've been begging for is a center with some potential. Only 220, you'd probably have to add some weight, which we keep saying about these centers. But, I mean, eventually you're going to hit on one of these guys, right? And this is a guy who's a late you'd bloomer so. who, who continues to sort of go up in rankings, and the Kentucky interest makes it seem like we should be excited if he came to Syracuse. I definitely will be excited. I just don't think it changes a ton next year. Yeah, again, I think another interesting thing, too, and I've seen this kind of thrown out there as well, is since he's been sitting on this top six for so long, is he looking for a bigger offer? Is is there a mystery team out there that could come into the fold? <clears throat> Duke, um, no, but when you think about <laughs> it, not. he had an offer from Kentucky, all right? That's as big as it gets. Yeah. So when when you look at that whole complex there i mean yeah sure they ended up fetching olivier sar but he's the only center on the roster and there's no guarantee that olivier sar plays next year either now is it likely he plays yeah i'd probably guess he's playing he's next only year but get one year even right, if he does so right so and no one else on the roster is bigger than 69 so when you look at that I think to myself, if I'm Frank Anselm, I could be a starting center next year at Kentucky if if everything goes right and if I prove myself. And even if not, I'm going to play major minutes because guess what? I mean, seven-foot bodies can't be out on the floor for 35 minutes a night. So I'm going to get mine still. And it's going to be a very similar situation as any other program I go to. So if Kentucky does feel like home, I don't think this whole Olivier Sar news it, like obviously it seems like that is the thing that's detracting him but I mean if I were him I, I wouldn't be backing down from that just because I see that I mean Kentucky was in the fold he could have committed before Olivier Sar too so yeah when, when all that gets thrown into it I mean I'm I, I I err on the side of 
he could have gone to Kentucky. I mean, that, that door was open for him. And, and so I don't, I'm not buying this whole bigger offer thing that's being tossed around. Yeah. Well, if it is a bigger offer and he's waiting for Duke, I, I think we can blame you now. I'm, I'm just going to put it all on you because you brought up that, that Duke comment there. But I, I do agree with you. I think that's unrealistic. But we'll keep watching Frank Anselm. I feel like we're going to be talking about him at least one episode next week based on how this thing is going. So let's talk Keyshawn Bennett, four-star defensive end who made his decision. He's going to Michigan, which is unfortunate for Syracuse. We'll tell you how you should feel about that decision and maybe some other four stars that are out there now for the orange all right so this is take two for us of talking about Keyshawn Bennett who is the defensive end for Syracuse and we talked about him last night and we were starting to feel decent about him maybe coming to Syracuse at around whatever it was 9 nine thirty when we were talking last night this is i guess i've got all the days mixed up it was wednesday night i should clarify because we're talking thursday for this friday edition but anyway we find out about 10 minutes after we finished recording the podcast that he's going to michigan which stings for a couple of reasons because then we had to completely scrap that and now we get to talk about him and what this decision means that he is going to michigan it's a whiff on a four star which you know, if you're Syracuse on one end of the spectrum, that's just going to happen. I mean, you really can't get too upset about it. But on the other end, it's just like, man, I just want one or two of those. And I just hope this class can reel some of those in because they haven't had a four-star in the last two cycles, according to 247sports.com. And that's kind of what they've been missing from taking these Dino classes to that next level. Now, I'm not a huge rankings guy or ratings guy, but seeing the four-star come in would just be almost a sigh of relief at this point because I feel like it would prove that they are in a different level and, and are making the progress that you'd like to see from a program in Syracuse's position. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see them, at least in the company that they were in, with Cal, Miami, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ole Miss. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you throw your line in. It only matters if you catch the fish. And defense has clearly been the emphasis. And when you look at this 2021 class, seven defensive guys in the class to just three offensive, but there's still some some big names out there, especially ones that, that have interest in Syracuse. It seems like reciprocal interest, too. Yeah, and it's still early. So, you know, when you look back at the last two cycles, on 247sports.com, going off their ratings of who's a three-star, who's a four-star, who's a five-star, Syracuse is the only ACC school from the 2019 and 2020 cycles to not reel in a single four-star. You got schools like Georgia Tech that brought in five last year and six in the past two years. UVA has three in the past two years. And then, I mean, to be fair to Syracuse, a lot of these other schools just have one or two. Wake has two, BC has two, Duke has one, Pitt has one, and Louisville has one. That's in the past two years. But the Orange have not gotten a four-star, technically speaking, from 24-7 sports. Now, some of these guys, like Kadir White, once was a four-star, then he became a three-star. Other guys, like Lee Koba, same thing. But Trill Williams and Tommy DeVito, as it stands right now, are the only two four-stars in the Dino Babers time period. And those are high school guys. I mean, Chris Blake, I guess you could consider a pretty good get, and we shouldn't just gloss over that. But it's a little concerning, right, that they're the only team that hasn't gotten the, the four-star to come. And like I said, I feel like we're 
we're sort of due for one of those to happen. And it's, it is early in the process. So not to overreact, but it would have been nice to get Bennett. So here are some of the other high profile guys that they're looking at four star wise. So George Rooks, defensive tackle again sticking with defense here both these guys i'm about to throw at you are are defensive guys he's out of new jersey so that's a place that syracuse has recruited yeah has recruited in the past but he's ranked 202nd in this cycle okay he would be the fifth highest rated recruit for syracuse since 24 7 started tracking which was a about 2000 i believe it was wow so since the turn of the century he would be he would be the fifth highest rated guy for Syracuse. Next up, you've got Deuce Chestnut, another four-star guy, cornerback. This like one's him. out of out of Camden, New Jersey. This one seems, I won't say the, actually, no, I will say, this is the one that feels the best uh, of his chances of coming to Syracuse. He's ranked 324th. He'd be the 14th highest guy to, to come to Syracuse. And I mean, with defensive backs, Syracuse, at least on the roster right now, they've got some pretty good defensive backs. Yeah. And, and Plus you Deuce got Chestnut. West. Right. Who's recruiting. And, yeah. And Deuce Chestnut, if he came in and, and filled that role right after, I mean, you would see some pretty seamless transitions in the secondary. Yeah. Will you be bummed if they don't have one four-star? I mean, again, yes. I make it I seem will. like, yeah. <laughs> I, don't don't even like try to rephrase your question. Yes, I will well, be <laughs> I was going to say, just because some people are listening saying, why do they care so much about the ratings? But, like, it's, it's almost a a thing to just feel a little bit vindicated about where the program is well, going. Listen, and you're not just going to pick off a five-star, right? I mean, isn't that no. eventually the goal is, is to be Maryland getting some somehow. of these, these, yeah. Is, isn't that the goal though, is to be getting some of these five-star guys eventually, right. because that that's how you really change the program. Like let's not sugarcoat this. Okay. Syracuse has had one good season in the last, how many years? So exactly. So let, let's not sugarcoat this. This is a team that has lived in mediocrity for the majority of this decade. And w- when you look at a chance to to change the tide, I mean, if I'm a five-star, why am I going to a school that only gets three stars? So, like, say what you want about the, the rankings and stuff like that, but if I'm a five-star, why do I want to go play with a bunch of three stars? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I want to go play at, at a place where, where I can really advance myself and every practice is uber competitive because i am going up against the best of the best and i want to prove that i'm the best in that crop so on top of that you also have to think about the fact if you're not getting you're not going to get a five star in this class all right but you're you're not going to just make that jump there has to be some sort of gradual progression and once you start getting a couple four stars in the class that's when you can make that next leap and get yeah. the five stars. Unless, I mean, some people may be saying, oh, like you look at UNC, they're just plucking five stars out of nowhere. Well, that's different. They, they, they brought in a coach in Mac Brown who specialized in that at, at Texas, all right? Can't compare, the, yeah. Mac Brown is, is one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. So, And one of the best recruiters, period. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he hauled in one of the best college football players of all time in Vince Young to his program. So he, he's won a national championship. So w- when you think about all of that stuff, I mean, listen, I, I think Dino is the guy. Like, I'm this isn't a, a bash yeah, on Dino. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I, right. I want Dino Babers to be the head coach of this football team, all right? I'm not saying go out and get Mac Brown. I'm saying you can do it with the guy you've got. It might take a little bit, but eventually – 
you have to start evaluating it and, and saying, okay, this is you have to the, the recruiting has to pick up a little bit. Like sh- it's cool to find the diamonds in the rough, all right, but yeah. it, it's nice to have some things that you know are going to be a little surefire. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I love Dino. I think he's going to take this program back to where it needs to be. I hope you know that he has that contract extension, so I hope he's not going anywhere or anything like that. I have a lot of faith in him, but talent matters and talent wins out at a certain extent you need talent to go up against as dino has said these four and five stars on the other side at the acc like clemson and those type of schools so anyway that's going to do it for this week's locked on syracuse we'll be back on monday and have you every single weekday next week go to builtbar.com if you'd uh, i don't know why he's justin knight oh good good call Are we going to do that Monday? Probably not, right? No, I'll probably do I'll just say, yeah. Say next week. Okay. Also, say that we'll get to the Bleacher Report article, too. Yeah. Next week, we'll actually get to that Bleacher Report article that we were talking about yesterday with the different states and which states are doing the best in terms of producing prospects and recruits from their respective states. And I think that'll be interesting to kind of take a deep dive on that. And we also have a fun guest coming on the program next week, Justin Knight, who is literally one of the best athletes in Syracuse history. So a really fun guy too. We'll have a fun conversation coming out with him next week, but that'll do it for this week for Tyler. I'm Tim. Feel free to check out locked on ACC and all the rest of the great podcasts on the lockdown podcast network. And we'll talk to you guys on Monday.